Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Lean, as always. Hello. And then also a special guest, Lupe. Hello. Andy Claps. <laughs> She's here to talk with us on the podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about her experiences, um, not just at TTP, but also in her life, in her um, academic and professional career. So you wanted to introduce yourself? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. This is very exciting. Um, definitely a dream come true to have this uh, be something that we're working on as a team. So I really appreciate your vision and for inviting me here. Um, so my undergraduate degree was in sociology. I am a UCR alum. I was a former transfer student, came from College of the Sequoias, um, and then got a master's degree in higher education, leadership, and student development. Uh, and that whole Um, experience led me into my next endeavor, which was to pursue a PhD in higher education administration and policy here at UCR. So looking forward to being a second time alum from UCR. It's a pleasure to have you here. We're so excited. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess one of my first questions that Mm -hmm. I was thinking of when I was thinking of questions to ask you is, how did you decide to go for your PhD or like was this something you always like saw yourself doing like as a little kid or like <laughs> no. did it grow like what was the original how did like the original vision evolve to what it is now yeah that's a great question so i think about this often because it was really just a coincidence of life of where it led me a series of events so i came from a first generation family my parents immigrated here from mexico and higher education was not something that I was ever aspiring to do. I graduated high school with average GPA, um, didn't even prepare for SATs, mm-hmm. college, none, none of that. Um, and then my brother, who did actually go to college, he was four years ahead of me, um, is the one who said, why don't you go to the community college and then you can transfer out and go to a university. So I set myself on that journey to get my general education courses done, got through that, and that was such a difficult transition for me because the community college curriculum is nothing like it was at UCR once Mm -hmm. I got here, and it was a complete shock for me. I mean, the culture, the expectations, the rigor, the intensity, it was challenging, and I feel like I barely made it through UCR. Um, It really challenged me. It helped me grow, and then once I got my career uh, out of out of college. I started working here at UCR in the College of Engineering, working with transfer students, and it was a population of students that I really identified with because I knew some of those fears, some of those challenges Mm -hmm. and obstacles that we have to go through, financial burdens and such, and I really wanted to help them. So because of that, it's why I wanted to learn more and pursue a master's in higher education because I knew that if I learned more content, I could help more. And surprisingly enough, I did really, really well in my master's program. I was working full time and managed to still get a 4.0. And that was, that blew me away because I never in my life wildest dreams thought I would be that student. And I think it just demonstrates the capability of growth and somebody who really just evolves as time goes on, right? Mm -hmm. And then once I, I got my degree, I wasn't content with where we were as an institution. Um, of higher education, of how we were supporting students. I wanted to find more answers and I wanted to contribute more to the students that I serve. So that's kind of what led me to the opportunity to pursue a a PhD because um, I'm not exactly sure where higher education is headed, but I know that if I can learn and contribute to the decisions that are being made and the conversations and have a seat at the table that is impacting so many students that 
I'll be able to make a difference. And that's really what led me to pursue it. That's awesome. (laughs) And I think I really identify with like just the path, you know, like you just never know when things are going to change. I really relate to that. Yeah. I think all transfers hit a point where it's like, do I want to continue? Is it worth it? How far along does it take? Because usually students who go into like out of, out of high school go into like the four-year um, mindset like oh they're gonna finish school in mm-hmm. four years but for community college when you go to community college then you might have to add more courses you add eventually adds up to a year a year and so on so um, people don't usually end up with four years with the idea of like two years of community college two years of um, um, a four-year institution do you think that's or from what you've experienced do you think that's the most common case like four years is the way to go uh, as a tra- for a transfer student and that stigma that revolves around it yeah no I think as a society we could be better about the message that we send to students mm-hmm. and being transparent um, everybody's journey is going to be different and that was really hard for me to accept because I constantly compared myself to my peers and my friends that were mm-hmm. on a different journey than me I still do um, even though I'm in a PhD program now and I work full-time. I constantly compare myself to my peers who don't work full-time and do have the ability to do the graduate program as it's intended and designed to be, right? Um, So I think at some point we have to stop and acknowledge our own life, our own journey is going to be different and that's okay. So for students who think that it has to be done in four years, um, I say that's probably not realistic if you're working full-time and we have a lot of different obstacles in our case in my case it was financial like mm-hmm. I have to work I need to be able to support myself and um, and I think that evaluating kind of where you're at in life if you have family if you have financial burdens if you have to commute like all of those play a role in how much time you're able to dedicate in classes so I think um, in higher education as well we need to be able to talk about the complexities of a student identity and what that entails and be able to help and support them. That's really, yeah, I totally agree with that because mostly about the comparing myself to other, um, I was like, oh, four years at first, another year added up, second year (laughs) added up, I was like, okay, six years. And now at my point, it's like, okay, my friends are, some friends are graduating with their master's, some friends are mm. finishing nursing school, mm. other schools, and I'm like, I'm still getting my bachelor's degree, so that point of, like, comparison yeah. sometimes gets to you, but yeah. as long as you see where your end goal is, that's yes. the most important And it's going to get done, right? Yeah, you're, you're, you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, you're eventually going to get It doesn't matter when, <laughs> yeah, but it's going to get done, so I feel like um, I have a friend who also works here on campus, and when I'm talking to her about my frustrations of like, oh, you know, sometimes I feel behind or sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough in my mm-hmm. as a graduate student, she's like, you know what, don't worry, it's gonna get done. Doesn't matter how long, <laughs> it's gonna get done, you're gonna mm-hmm. do it, I know you. And that sense of reassurance is really helpful. So surrounding yourself with community and people who believe in you is so, so important. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that. So actually to, to dig a little deeper into mm-hmm. um, our conversation, a question that I actually thought of while you were talking was, you know, I see you as someone who is extremely successful in my eyes, right? As um, not only just, you know, my supervisor, but like <laughs> as like a mentor to me. Um, even last year when I wasn't even working here, you know, I was just like, you know, Lupa's like, she's the head honcho, you know? <laughs> you know? And so to hear about your experiences, like comparing yourself and maybe even imposter syndrome, if that's something you felt before, it's very validating and reassuring uh, not only just as a transfer, 
but as a transplant engineering also a latina right like mm-hmm. it's like very um it just makes me feel reassured like okay i'm not the only one who's ever gone through this mm-hmm. so um i guess my actual question here is how has that helped you or how do you think you've learned or grown from those experiences comparing yourself or having imposter syndrome breaking those barriers down yeah that's a great question so i think for me um it's been really diving deep into who i am as a person and embracing my differences and the qualities and the talents that i do have knowing where i can improve as an individual and what my strengths are and knowing that at the end of the day, we're all going to be different. We're intended to be different human beings, right? We're not intended to be a replica of one person or of one thing. Like we, we're all created to be unique in that space. So really getting to know myself a little bit more. And so I started this healing journey is what I call it a couple years ago of really doing some inner work of who I am, what I stand for, what I want in life, who I aspire to be. And so kind of going back to your, um, your question and imposter syndrome, right? Is like, yeah, I I did go through that space where when I first got my position here, I felt that. And I feel like that hindered, that narrative hindered my progress a lot because I internalized it and I gave it space, more space than it should have. I, once I started my PhD journey, I started going into delving into theories and concepts, and that's when I stumbled upon the initial inception of imposter syndrome, and I started to learn about how it really isolates and creates a deficit way of thinking. And so as I started to go, go deeper into the historical analysis of it, and I'm actually putting together a presentation for it because I think so many of us use it casually, and as a society, we have primarily used it for marginalized populations to say, oh, we all suffer from imposter syndrome, but it really is speaking negatively into our lives. And so I've, for the past year or so, I've been trying to not use that term. And since I've disassociated from it, I have felt more empowered than I ever have in my entire life because now I know that I'm different and that's wonderful. I'm here because I am different. I am here because I am a Latina. I am here because my parents were immigrants and I have a different story and I advocate for students in a different way than my counterparts who may are maybe fourth, fifth, and sixth generation down the line in higher education. And that doesn't mean that I'm imposter and that I don't belong here. That makes me powerful because so many of our students now are students like myself, students who have parents that maybe didn't pursue higher education, who were now barely building our navigational capital and social capital that we don't know about financial resources, support services, student disability services, and that they're here for us because nobody's told us and we have to find the answers ourselves. But that doesn't make me an imposter by any means, right? So learning to embrace that I'm now building that for my future generations and my family and of the students that I'm helping and coming from a place of empowerment instead of a deficit way of thinking. I love that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you say you try to stray away from the term imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Do you, how do you try to term it now? Or like, how do you try, because if those feelings come up again, how do you try to reframe your your mindset besides... um, I guess thinking I belong here because I'm different. Is that what you were saying before? Like that's how you change the term so that you're not speaking into existence, giving it space. Yes. So I essentially don't even think about the term anymore. And so it's funny because I hear it so commonly in our spaces. (laughs) Um, And I've been slowly trying to like, 
kind of buffer or ease people into what I'm putting together in terms of a presentation and it's you know academically cited everything mm -hmm. so um, it has credibility and so I think that just in my mind eliminating the term and instead saying no I I belong here I'm bringing valuable content I have a valuable contribution so in my mind that's kind of where when I step into an office or a meeting where I'm surrounded by primarily white males and a lot of them, I mean, are, I work in the College of Engineering, so they have engineering degrees, PhDs, mm -hmm. and it could be intimidating. Um, so walking in there with confidence and knowing that I'm in here because they see something in me and I'm valuable in who I am, even just in my human existence, I am valuable. I don't need the additional mm -hmm. um, credentials to validate me. Yes, it helps in the space that I'm in, but I need to kind of give myself that love and say, here's something valuable that I'm bringing to the table that they may have not thought about or may have not experienced because of our different backgrounds. So let's all see and come together what we can bring. And when I'm advocating for students, students of color, students from low socioeconomic status, students who may not be the top performers in college right now, but that have the potential because I'm one of those students, right? Who I was not a top performer as an undergraduate, mm -hmm. but I had the potential. Um, and I was able to showcase that because somebody gave me an opportunity. And so I think just uh, reminding yourself like of those values, that's why I think it's so important to get to know yourself, what your strengths are, what your talents are, what makes you Lena, what makes you lean, right? Like what are those unique concepts so that you can really tap into them when the intrusive thoughts start to creep in. That's great advice. Honestly, I love it so much. Just giving me the other perspective of how I can think about it instead of just seeing the, like the ne not the negative side, but the imposter syndrome itself and how it's really using being, being used throughout our spaces. Um, and you've mentioned like the space and the students here as transfer students and how you felt and related to them. Mm -hmm. I guess kind of going back to your early years and how you came up with the idea of opening this space <laughs> and providing this community, which have you, as you've seen throughout the years and how, as how we have it right now, it's mm -hmm. like an amazing space. Mm -hmm. And it's a place that a lot of us transfers feel so comfortable to be in. And <coughs> it makes us shine and it gives <laughs> us our, um, our, our safe space to be in. Yeah. Um, what, what made you start start it to begin with, and why do you continue with it for all those years um, so far? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I feel like um, it again. It was something that I had no idea, right? I, mm -hmm. I graduated from UCR, um, got hired to work with transfer students, and and my work outline was to go to community colleges and help those students get to UCR. And so I was like, okay, I can help them, guide them. And then I started to remember my own experience as a transfer student of how sheltered I was when I first got here. I was very intimidated. It was mm -hmm. kind of a culture shock for me because I come from a small town in Central California, a um, little place called Tulare. You got to give them a shout out. Um, and so I wasn't exposed to a diverse population of individuals. And so coming to UCR was very hard for me. I also was very shy and introverted, so I didn't really see myself seeking out to build a community or establish a community. So once I started working here um, in the College of Engineering and I was able to work with transfer students, I re remembered what that felt like for me. 
And so I wanted to be able to give them a support program, a community, friends before they even got here and helping to kind of remove the intimidation part of approaching somebody and saying, hey, um, how's it going? How are you? My name is so-and-so. Would you like to study? And kind of starting that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so me and one of my colleagues, we started to create this transfer transition program and what outline that will look like. And I mean, I've had a lot of trial and errors along the way, but it was all intended to create a community, a sense of belonging, a sense of, hey, you have a friend here, you're a transfer student, you're a transfer student, oh, you're both, you know, computer engineering, let's have you guys talk about your courses. And it's a very different identity when you are an older student, right, coming to the university. And a lot of our community college students tend to be in a different pathway than our first year students. So that's also something where you want to try to build connections. So if we could build that with the transfer transition program, that was the goal. A um, few years into that and, and collecting surveys and s- assessing how the students were responding to the transfer transition program was the idea of having a space dedicated to them so that they can meet and build community. And I set my eyes on this place and I'm like, okay, this this looks like mm-hmm. it needs a home. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I can do something <laughs> with it. Um, I had the data to support it. I had student feedback, and I had a college leadership who believed in the vision and um, wanted to support transfer students. So I submitted the proposal, and I'm like, "Here's what we can do." And I think it was also just uh, about creating a home and a sense of safety and comfort for students. Um, and so. Here we are four years after opening this place up and it, every aspect of it, every component of the space uh, was designed with the transfer students who were my peer mentors at the time. So they were the, the visionaries behind the layout, behind, I mean, the couches, <laughs> the pictures that you see on the wall, the California uh, board that we have back there. And I'm so grateful to that class of students because they were the ones who really uplifted me and gave me the the ammunition that I needed to feel the desire to fight for them. Honestly, we use the space, the program until now, so you can see how far it's come and mm-hmm. how much it has of an influence um, and potential to even grow more and affect other people's life. One's I've also affects the others. So. Yeah, you did a good, good yeah. job. So. Thank you. <laughs> I know. I always rave about this place, especially um, also to like not transfers who have mm-hmm. been kind of creeping their way in here. Because yeah. <laughs> I think it's really cool that you know we talk about like breaking down the stigma and like these barriers, and I think it's really important to like bring those people into the conversation. And they can kind of see like, oh hey, like you know this is a space for me too. Like mm-hmm. maybe we don't have to treat them differently, <laughs> yeah. or like you know have it be stigmatized and stuff. And I feel like that's like the space here has been really I've been seeing it like with my own eyes like people who are like oh should I come in here I'm not a transfer I'm like just come in <laughs> like, we have coffee <laughs> yeah we have graduate students too I think that come yeah. here and study now <laughs> so I think it's a it's a really I think it reflects on you all too who work the front desk and are a part of the community that run the space and they see you as leaders as well and I think it's phenomenal that you also give them that sense of welcoming belonging and every now and then I'll hear somebody say hey you know uh, so-and-so did really great they were really friendly and I think those little interactions make such a difference because we never know what students are going through what we are all going through right but we show up and we try to give somebody a good experience and so that's a reflection of you too. Mm-hmm. I think also something you were mentioning before too was like having that like little courage to like 
start conversations like when you're a transfer yeah. right and so this kind of goes back to our other podcast right moments of courage and it just reminds me of well you know it did take that moment for me to like walk into a student program office and be like hey what is what opportunities are there for me but it mm. also took you know the reception that I got from the people the yes. students at the front desk who were like hey like I, I know exactly what resource is perfect for you mm-hmm. this is who you need to talk to this mm-hmm. is where you should go mm-hmm. and then that like opens so many pathways so I think also taking that into that perspective helps me to be also trying to be a better mentor and front desk person always put on the smile and know your resources and always be prepared to give a good response and a friendly smile yeah because that's essentially what led you here right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so all those little decisions and being intentional with your decision making and what you pursue even when it's scary Mm -hmm. i think that um and you'll you'll probably get this in my newsletters but like that's where you have an opportunity to grow so push past that fear a little bit and you'll see what you'll you'll be able to accomplish Um, so as we wrap up the podcast, I know it was very, very nice having you over, but um, if we were go- to go back in time, mm-hmm. what are the things that you would change um, growing up, going into community college and like from community college and, and going forward? Nothing. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't because they wouldn't have let me to where I'm at here, mm-hmm. right? Like all those decisions, the small little, even just... Um, road bumps along the way the moments of doubt the moments i funny story is i didn't even tell you is that i was so afraid to come to ucr when i first got admitted that i it took me three years to get here like i got admitted three different times (laughs) because i was so scared to actually go through with the move and that fear held me back and i often thought about how much that delayed my time to degree and folks were graduating and they mm-hmm. were getting they were moving on with their lives and but the thing is that I met so many incredible people here I made some really great friendships I made some great connections I wouldn't have met you right had yes. those situations not happened so um, yeah there was a lot of learning but I feel like all of those created the person and the perspective and the mind and how I show up in these spaces today it's what has given me the level of empathy that I have today it's what's made me connect with transfer students in a way that I probably would have would not have had I not gone through those experiences um, and so I wouldn't change anything because then I wouldn't have met the incredible people that I'm surrounded by today honestly I'm so happy that I got to met <laughs> I mean yes you took the three years extra but it, it all let me here. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's crazy how like perfect the how it the all timeline. feels like day by day. It just feels like you're just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. But when you look back, it's like wow, everything happened so perfectly for us to be here right mm-hmm. now. Yes. And it just makes you want to like take a moment, just be grateful for that, and like sit in that, and just a good way to start the day. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I think, it, and not to say that like in those moments when I have had challenges, I didn't uh, wish things would have been different, or I had a hard time seeing the good or I you know had heartbreak I've lost people that I've loved I've I've gone through that and not to say that I wouldn't like I would want them here or that that didn't hurt or that wasn't painful but those painful lessons is what's given my heart what it has today it's how I protect myself it's how um, when I learn to speak up when I've learned to use my voice that's what's led me here is because I have lost love and I have lost loved ones and I and I've had incredible um, students that I've been surrounded by now who have accomplished great things, which is why now I push you all to do those mm-hmm. great things, right? So every little thing I think has made me who I am and so I wouldn't go back and change anything. 
I love that answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, being our special guest. <laughs> um, if you have any final thoughts, we'd be happy to hear. Um, I mean, I guess I would just say embrace your journey and as hard as it is and whatever difficult circumstances you may be going through or incredible circumstances, um, it, it's all temporary. It won't last long. Um, look at the way that you have been able to overcome things in the past and every day is going to be different. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have good seasons, bad seasons. Um, and it's kind of a always up and down roller coaster, but don't let those dissuade you from experiencing joy and being vulnerable. I think vulnerability is a powerful thing and it's scary, but it leads us to great destinations. So I think if you're willing to be vulnerable with yourself and how you show up and, you know, kind of dip your toe a little bit because it can be <laughs> scary at first, don't go full on. Um, or you can if you want to, but I think it's important to uh, take a chance on yourself believe in yourself and remind yourself that you are incredible and just who you are as you exist, whether you have that degree or not, whether you pursue that dream, however you define dream job or not, um, and be intentional with your decision making. Everything kind of leads you where you're supposed to be. And I, for me, it's worked out that um, I don't think that anything that was meant for me has missed me, right? So I, I'm very grateful to where I'm at today, the people that I'm with, um, my family, my loved ones, and um, I'm just grateful that you all as students believe in me too and that you allow me to go into your lives and listen to your stories and hear about your great achievements and your next steps and even though you move <laughs> and you leave me. Um, I'll be here. I'll be here. <laughs> um, call away. Okay. <laughs> a flight away. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, I'm so happy for you at the end of the day. I mean, I think it's incredible to see you all thrive and grow into your own destinations and to keep in touch with you all. And, and that's the best part of my job is getting to see you all grow um, and then reflect like, hey, remember that one time you were really quiet and at the training you just didn't want to talk and now look at you thriving, right? So um, take a chance on yourself. The people that are here, um, if you're in school, the people that are there to help you want to help you. So seek the help, seek the resources. So if you are considering UCR or engineering, I lend myself to be of support for you. Um, to help you through that process, to be a support service and um, help you in, in whatever way that I can. If if not, I'm sure whatever campus or university you're seeking has somebody who can support you. So reach out to them, ask questions and um, catch me here in the transfer center. Um, every now and then we'll do some guest appearances on social media. And I yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And everyone, don't forget to take it day by day. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day, everyone. Have a great one. Okay, bye.